From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. that niggling feeling that someone just isn't enough. At first, it feels like an itch. Pretty soon, though, it turns into an all-consuming dread, a realisation that maybe you're settling for less than you deserve. Welcome to Love Etc., where your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're doing two things. First, we're going to sit down and chat about the concept of settling. Then we're going to hear from a woman named Ashley who knows the concept all too well. Zara, the concept of settling for a relationship that doesn't make you truly happy is something that we have discussed a lot in the last probably two years. We've had this conversation so much recently, and I think it's very indicative of how old we are. So we are both 25. And I think we're at that age now where for most of our friends and the people around us, it's a classic case of, are you going to be with this person and marry them? Or are you going to break up with them now and cut your losses and find something that suits you better? Well, things are starting to get a tiny bit serious, aren't yeah. they? I think particularly when you're a woman and you turn 25, you're your mid-20s and it's not just fun and games anymore. I know that might sound super serious and some people who are older might be listening to this and rolling their eyes a little bit. But I think with all the conversations around about fertility and the average age of getting married, I think is 28 or 29, we are getting to that age where it's like, okay, well, I want to be really serious about who I choose to spend time with and who I don't. It's a classic case at this age of needing and wanting to get your shit together, I think. And I, I think we're beyond the point of being able to flitter around and make decisions that don't matter. Like I think the decisions we make now do matter. And so if we're having a conversation about working out if your relationship is enough or if you're settling or if you can see longevity in the relationship, it's a very interesting conversation. When we first decided to do this podcast, we put out a question on our Instagram story to find some case studies. And we said, have you ever ended a relationship because you felt like you were settling or if you felt like it wasn't enough? And we got so many responses, not necessarily from women who had examples, but from women who said, can you get me the answer to this? Yeah. And that was so telling to me. Yeah. I feel like I've pivoted even in my own thinking about this over the last few years. I remember that before I was with my boyfriend now, I used to say, oh, I can't imagine being with someone if I wasn't sure that I would marry Mm. that person. I remember feeling really confronted by the realization that some people were in relationships without knowing how it would end up and without any real inclination as to whether or not they would want to marry that person. I remember thinking, well, if it's not a fuck, yes, it's a fuck. No. And that line of reasoning that if you're not sure, then why are you with that person? But I think as I've gotten older and matured, I realize how much this isn't just like a flick of a switch. It's not like you're sure and then you're completely not sure. And it's such a gradual, slow realization sometimes that maybe you are settling or maybe the grass could actually be greener with another person. I think that nails it for me because the conversations that I've had amongst my friends in the last sort of year or so, particularly, maybe even more so in the last six months, has been that idea that I wish somebody told us 
that there would be more doubt. And I mean, on both ends of the spectrum, I wish someone told me that you'd have this much doubt in a relationship. And I wish someone told me that there would be this much doubt when I had decided to end it. And there isn't that. I think you assume that either you're all in the relationship or you're all out, which is absolutely not the case. I think the idea of settling or stewing on the idea that your partner might not be enough is confusing because nobody tells you what it looks like to settle or nobody can paint that picture for you. And I think maybe it's because nobody themselves is actually sure. Mm. I think if there's no universal case of settling, there's no universal case where you can say, that's what it looks like, measure your relationship against that and make your call. I think it's completely individual, but it comes back to this core, core idea of, is this it for me? Are they the best fit for me? And here's the tricky thing. We all have doubts. Anyone in a long-term relationship knows that you are not going to be 100% sure about a person all of the time. I think it's a matter of discerning whether or not you have fleeting doubts and whether they pop up every now and then or deep-rooted concerns. I think anyone who denies that doubt will pop up at different points in a relationship is lying. I think it's just a matter of life. You're never going to be 100% sure about your best friend even. Like you and I as friends will have disagreements or patches where we go through a rockier, more turbulent patch and then we'll go through patches where everything's pretty blissful in our friendship. And I think the same's with everyone. You wax and you wane and there's ebbs and flows of every relationship, but it is a really tricky thing to do to identify whether the vanilla patches are starting to overtake all the color yeah, of that's your a, relationship. Yeah, it's a really good point. What I wanted to do today is a couple of months ago on our Shameless podcast, I recommended this story that I had sent to a friend when she was worrying about or wondering about the state of her own relationship. And it was a piece on the cut. It was an Ask Polly column and the headline was, Am I Settling? And we have read this so many times since then together because I think it's one of like the most searing pieces of relationship advice I've ever, I've ever read. One of the quotes I wanted to read today was one of the earlier quotes from the piece and it was in response to a woman who was in a pretty happy relationship. She was just generally unsure if this was it forever. And Ask Polly wrote, when I was younger and dating, I never knew which doubts to take seriously and which doubts to ignore. I had trouble letting them go even when I wanted to. I would will myself to just stop it and accept the great thing I had and they'd still come rising up out of the blue just to pummel me. Eventually, I started to believe that the doubts would always be there. So I got better at living with them, even when it seemed like they were ringing in my ears at night. I thought everybody had doubts all the time. I thought committing to someone was simply deciding not to pay any mind to the many, many doubts out swimming through your head. Wow. For me, if I am having a conversation with friends now, having lived through some relationship stuff myself and having seen friends live through it too, I think the question I'll ask them is like, are these doubts omnipresent? Like, are they always niggling? Is there a rising and falling tide of hesitation? And I think that's what no one will tell you in that. There will be times where that tide does fall and you think, no, this relationship is really strong and rock solid. It's just that every other day the tide comes back and it kind of swallows you and overwhelms you and gives you that kind of sinking sick feeling that maybe, maybe this is not meant to be. Mm. Is there one indicator for you that says that maybe it isn't enough? Because in my mind, I think I would know that something isn't enough if it felt like I was trapped. I think a healthy relationship, and this is how I feel about mine now, is really freeing in that Mm. I feel like I am the most myself around my partner. Being with him is the most freeing thing in my life because I literally feel like we could do anything together and it's not like I'm looking at the future feeling 
tied down or weighed down by him. And in my mind, seeing a lot of my friends go through this where they feel like they settled and they need to get out of a relationship where they have settled is that they feel restless. They feel an impending sense of doom that this is it. And if I stay here, then I'm missing out. And I've never felt like that with Mitch, although sometimes we've had our doubts and we fight and we have different relationship problems like every relationship. I've never looked at the future and felt that entrapment. I have to say, because you you and I were having a conversation before we jumped on the mics and you said to me, I don't think I have a perspective of somebody who's felt like they've settled. I only know the opposite. And I think trapping is too simplistic for me. Mm. I think it gives you this, I think it assumes that you know that you're in the wrong relationship. Mm. And I think the thing that I want to keep coming back to is that you don't actually know. And there is often not an impending sense of doom with the conversations that I have with my girlfriends. It's not a sense that you look 50 years down the track and say, is that my life? Mm. It's more present than that. And you wonder in the moments whether it's right. I think that's actually as simple as it is. There was a great piece on Man Repeller by Jenna Birch. And in hindsight, I think this would be the number one sign that you know your relationship is not right. I just think it's the answer no one wants to hear when they're in that moment. And Bert wrote for Man Repeller, my answer to her, this was to a girlfriend who was asking her the same question, was gut level. It is still my answer to anyone who asks me today. It's settling if you feel like it is. And that's the answer that no one wants to fucking hear when they're asking these questions because it feels overly simplistic. Well, I think by design of asking yourself again and again and again, and if you're searching for answers to the point where you're Googling and you're reading and you're seeking out responses, then perhaps that is a sign. You know, it's really funny. This is going to sound quite silly, but it reminds me of that song Happier by Marshmallow and Bastille, I think. Mm. Um, And there's this one line that is quite telling for me that it says, then only for a minute, I want to change my mind because this just don't feel right to me. So it's like, about this person about to have this conversation for a breakup and then they sort of catch themselves and they're like, wait, this isn't the right thing to do. Mm. And when I've been talking to my friends about this in the last year or so, that's the thing we keep coming back to in that you'll never be 100% sure. In fact, I don't even think you'll be halfway there when you decide to end a relationship from all of the anecdotal evidence around me, from Mm. all of my friends who have done something quite similar. I think if you're 30 to 40% there, that's kind of all you need. I remember talking to one of my best, best girlfriends about this. And I said, you know, it would be so much easier for people if they were 80 to 90% there and nearly sure that it was the right decision. And she turned to me and said, Zara, nobody wants to be 80 or 90% there because if they're 80 or 90% there, they're in an incredibly toxic relationship. And then there's that doubt isn't there and then it's not about settling anymore. Yeah. And I thought that was quite telling to me in that if you are only 30 to 40% there, maybe that's enough because you shouldn't have that much doubt anyway. Mm. I think this is a tricky conversation as well for those who might struggle with commitment or struggle with monogamy. Yeah. Because I do wonder if you have a history of getting out of things because you got cold feet or running away from relationships simply because you struggle with commitment, then conversations about settling are probably quite anxiety inducing for you. And there does need to be a weighing up of sticking something out and actually giving it a go without running away, but then also being true to yourself and making sure that you're not in a relationship that doesn't serve you anymore. I wanted to come back to the Ask Polly column for a second because there's another quote here that I'm just going to keep quoting this thing because I think it's (laughs) so, so brilliant, especially for what we're talking about today. And Ask Polly wrote again, there are so many different ways for relationships to feel off, let's face it. It's hard when you feel that something is wrong, but you can't put it into words. You can't justify it intellectually. It just feels wrong. You feel like you're playing a role that doesn't fit. Sometimes that's because you're just not ready for a lifelong commitment and you need to grow more on your own. 
Other times you just know that you want more. You have to stop thinking in circles and start asking yourself what you want from your life. Mm. And I think when you say, how do you know the grass is greener if you're just being maybe too fickle and to be honest, I hate this word, but maybe too picky. Mm. Or if it is that idea that it's not right. I think it is a case of asking yourself where you want to be and what you want out of the next 5, 10, 15 years. I think it's also a case, I mean, again, I can only speak to this topic from someone who doesn't feel like they're settling. In my mind, the thought of breaking up with my current partner makes me feel breathless. Like it would feel like a physical pain, not just an emotional one to continue life without him. And I wonder if you're thinking at the moment, whoever is listening to this, well, if I left my partner, I wouldn't feel a physical pain or I wouldn't feel that breathlessness. I wonder if that says something. I think it does. I think that breathlessness is like a very key indicator of how invested in that relationship. You can almost feel, even just talking about it, you can almost feel that like penetrative pain that's going to come into your Mm. heart if you end it. I wonder where, what the barometer is or what the signs are that you are comfortable and happy, but not settling. Are butterflies and fireworks overrated? I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Like, are they overrated? Because what I want from my next relationship is I just want someone who will be the light at the end of my day. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I want. I want to be excited to see them. But more than that, I want to look at them every single day and be like, how did I get so lucky? And I wonder if that's where my bar should be. That if I am looking at someone every single day and saying, how the fuck did I get so lucky? then I'll know that I'm never settling. Do you think that's it? Well, as soon as you said it, I am excited to see Mitch every day, yeah, every single day. And I've said that to you before. I think we've had conversations about this in the past, but I think that is the one telltale sign that we have something really good in that when I open up the door and I see he's there, it's like overwhelming excitement. Like yeah. if I can, I will go and pick him up from work if I'm free that afternoon because I really like seeing him. And I think we've been together coming up to four years at the end of this year and we've been living together for almost three and yeah it's even though we spend so much time together I still have that yearning to see him again I still want to see him it's never an inconvenience no matter what's been happening throughout our day it is an overwhelming excitement to be back with that person and I think that's something I always wanted and I'm really blessed that I have that yeah and I think that's what we should be measuring it against Mm. I also like this question of like do you feel grateful enough to have found them like I think that can be either quite triggering or affirming depending on the relationship that you're in I wanted to finish with the end of this Ask Polly piece because when we were both reading that story together not long ago in an Uber, we were talking about how doubt will always exist, as we've already said today. Like doubt will always be there. It's simply a matter of working out what doubts to take seriously and what doubts are legitimate. And Ask Polly wrote, doubt may never leave you altogether. I had smallish doubts about my husband when I met him, but I also knew without a doubt that if I ever ended things with him, I would look back and say to myself, you've made the biggest mistake of your life right there. If you believe that you'll feel that way, then proceed with caution. But if you think you're more likely to look back on your life together and say, I should have moved to New York, or I should have tried dating that really smart guy who made so much more sense to me, you owe it to yourself to take those feelings seriously. Can you defend your relationship in a court of law? It doesn't sound like you can. Are you settling? If you have to ask, then you probably are. Next, we go into the beehive and hear from a woman who didn't realise she was settling until reality smacked her in the face. But first, it's time for a bumble break. Oh, 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 oh,
Zara, this week's Bumble Break is a particularly fun one because this week both new and existing Bumble BFF users in Australia can apply for a chance to win an all-expenses-paid trip to Jamila Jamil's BFF event in Los Angeles this August. That's right. You and your best friend could be selected for the experience of a lifetime to meet the woman who stood for inclusivity throughout her career and has connected countless people through her activism with her very own I Way movement. You know how much I love Jamila Jamil, so I really, really want to enter this competition and win it. What are our chances? I know. I want to too. Do you think they'll let us enter? Probably not. I'm pretty sure they will not let us enter, but I would absolutely love that. So if anyone from Bumble's listening, please let Zara and I enter. (laughs) You guys can enter though. All you need to do is head to the Bumble app for your chance to win. Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. One life dream to meet Jamila Jamil. When Ashley met John at a house party, she was in year 11 at high school. He was charming and attractive and they got along great, but he was also off limits. Around the time John and Ashley met, John began dating someone else from Ashley's year level. John's a really warm guy. He has a really nice smile and he can hold a conversation. So he's really smart. And at the time he had a lot of ambitions and yeah, he was just... I don't know, I was in, I was young and I was in high school and yeah, we just got along really well. And because he was friends with my friends, we were just all in that same circle. We all sort of shared the same interest. He's really into photography and at the time I really liked that too. So we just bonded over that, I think, and chatting about that. And so they were friends. The girlfriend didn't last very long. She and John broke up within a year of getting together. And that's when things between John and Ashley turned romantic. I remember feeling quite protective of him because I didn't want him to get hurt by the girl that he was dating and at the time I was pretty sure that was only because we were friends and quite close and that obviously that ended up turning into something more. It was after they broke up I think that we just started talking more and we saw more of each other through different parties through year 12 and yeah we just we got on really well. I vividly remember going into the city and um, we were we just did like a day in the city where we took photos of everything and we went and did one of those like photo booths in the, the like the Asian photo booths where you put stickers all over your face and things like that and so we just had fun together like the the early days I was still in school he was a little bit older so he'd finished school so he'd come we lived a really long way away like about an hour away and I at that point I'd only just got my license and obviously was being in year 12 didn't travel a lot so he came down our way a fair bit they were good they were lots of fun I remember we were texting one night and I made a joke like haha babe or something like that and he was like babe and I was like oh yeah babe is that <laughs> that's okay that's gonna be a thing now and I think it kind of just grew from there that um, as you do when you're young I think it was probably all over text message that we officially decided that like I said I only saw him in those early days, probably like once a week or so because of being in year 12 and he was at uni and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's, I think it just happened. I don't think it was very official. Were you in love with him? I was, yeah. So Ashley and John were together and they were in love. They travelled overseas to Europe for a month-long stay. They found a mutual love of coffee and would plan dates at the best cafes around Melbourne to go find it. But for all the love they shared, all was not perfect between Ashley and John. For all those happy times, there was a peppering of problems, like the time he broke up with her for a week while she was away at university games. 
I remember going away not long after we got together, maybe in that first year, I remember going away to Adelaide for uni games. And while I was over there, he broke up with me over the phone because I was you know, not spending all my time on the phone with him and I was having fun. And I remember sitting there bawling my eyes out and I had a couple of friends around me and he kept calling a thousand times. I'm like, why didn't you pick up the phone? Blah, blah. I'm like, because you broke up with me, you dickhead. <laughs> I don't really want to talk to you right now. So I remember coming back from that trip and that, like I said, that was really relatively early days. That was before we'd been together for a year. And I remember coming back from that trip and he just made me feel like shit a little bit, I think. And that, that was probably the downside of a lot of the times in that relationship. I feel like throughout particularly towards the end I was never allowed to win a competition like even paper scissors rock like any anything like a game like he was very competitive and if we ever had games that we played together I wasn't allowed to win or I wasn't allowed to be the winner he would insist on competing until he won and or that's the the smallest example of how I can describe how I felt throughout a lot of the relationship not all of it but a lot did you fight a lot I remember crying a lot and I don't know if that's because we were fighting. I assume it was or if it was because he made me feel unhappy for over certain things or made me feel guilty for a lot of stuff. Um, I remember my parents, not not that they weren't supportive, they loved him and loved having me around and they were supportive of the relationship, but I just remember mum obviously because she knows me better than anyone and probably dad because he hates seeing his little girl upset I just remember them wondering why I was upset more than I probably should be John and Ashley weren't perfect but things were pretty good they had their issues like every couple but for all their problems there was still a lot of love as with many of our relationships in their first year it just happened to be that around this exact time Ashley met a tall blonde boy who was larger than life I met Nick on the first day of uni. It was like the first day of O week. We had an introductory lecture and I was running late. So I walked into the lecture and because I was running late, I sat right near the door and he popped his head out. There were like two or three people in between us and he popped his head out. He's like, hi, I'm Nick. And introduced me to the two people sitting between us that he'd just met. Um, And that's very characteristic of his personality, like his extrovert to the T. So introduced me to these two people that he'd just met and the lecture started and went for sort of half an hour or something. I was like, welcome to La Trobe. And the lecture finished because I was the last one in. I went to get out to this like big double doorway that was only about a meter or two and somehow in the space of that meter or two he'd made it past the two or three people that were sitting between us to bump into me the only person in this big double doorway it's really cliche and really corny but it was a classic like oh sorry I didn't see you there and I was like straight away I was like yeah sure (laughs) so you're six months into a new relationship Mm. you've just met this guy who is extroverted and friendly Mm. Did you feel anything for him romantically at that point? I remember coming home and chatting to mum and I couldn't tell her much about the first day at uni. All I could tell her was about this new friend that I made because we spent that whole day together uh, with the other two randoms that we we met on that first lecture. Um, And we ended up being quite a little group of friends because we were in the same course and same classes. So I remember coming home and telling mum all about this new friend that I made and how cool he seemed and so yeah I just remember being really happy that day we 
would spend like a lot of time together at uni. We'd hang out in our breaks. I eventually introduced him to my partner, John, at the time, and they became mates as as boys do. They just bond over stuff. Apparently that was over me. <laughs> so yeah, they, they were friends and I was just really, really close with Nick. It was really just a good friendship. I'd met his family. He'd met mine. I'd helped babysit his little sisters. We went to each other's birthdays and yeah, we, although we didn't catch up a lot outside of uni, but when we were at uni, we were really close. Tell me about when he told you he was moving to Europe. So when Nick was over in Europe, um, we were just friends at this point and this is probably a year or so into our friendship and uh, he sent me a message saying he, because his mum was from the UK, so she had, he could get a, he had a full visa, he had a passport, and he was thinking he was going to just move over there and, and stay. And I remember getting that message and bawling my eyes out. And that, that really hit me because I, like I said, we were just friends at uni, we were really close mates, but I didn't realise how much I enjoyed his company and how much I liked having him around until he told me that he was not coming back. Um, so that was really hard and really I was quite shocked at myself. One of those moments where you're sitting there bawling your eyes out, you're like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. What is happening? Yeah. At no point did it, did it cross my mind that it would be more than a friendship because as I said, I, I completely loved John and I didn't ever allow myself to see it that way. But I do remember at times, particularly in the lower times when my relationship with John wasn't that great, I, I, the only thing I would think would be I wonder, you know, if I would be treated this way with someone else. And Nick was always sort of that someone else, not specifically Nick, but his qualities and characteristics. Over time, Ashley began to question if there was room for her own unique set of hobbies and interests in her relationship with John. They'd spend a lot of time together, sure, but she felt like they'd always be doing what John wanted to do, irrespective of what she wanted. For the majority of their relationship, Ashley didn't think too much about it. But then, every now and then, they'd have time apart and that niggling feeling would come back with an intensity that was impossible to ignore. I remember going on a family cruise just with my parents and my sister and there's no phone access out there. And I remember two things. I remember one coming back home, having a lot of anxiety to see him. And this was only like 10 or 12 days that I've been apart. I, I don't know if that was because the last time I went away, he broke up with me. So I wasn't sure what to expect, even though there was no, there was no physical inkling. We hadn't fought or anything like that before I went away. But I remember coming back not quite sure where we would stand as silly as that sounds and I remember not particularly missing him I remember not worrying about not being able to contact him and I think that was probably a little bit eye-opening for me but again at the time I thought it was just because that that holiday and that cruise happened around the same time as uni was in exam period and I just thought that was all part and parcel and I thought you know when I once I get back and then once uni finishes we'll be good. Things between Ashley and John were fine they were fine. They fought every now and then, and the agenda of their relationship was often set by John. But isn't that just how some relationships are? Ashley loved John, and she loved Nick. She just loved them in really different ways. That is, she thought she did, until the most awkward family holiday in human history. My family go away every year up to beautiful Bright in Victoria, and we, my parents just said, ah, oh, like, because it was assumed that 
John would be coming along. And they said, oh, why don't, why don't you invite Nick? Because we had a lot of extra space and Nick had already met my family and spent some time with them and I'd met his. So that wasn't out of the ordinary. That was quite normal. My parents just said, would you like to bring him along? And I, so I did. Yeah. So John, Nick and you and your family go on this holiday. Yes. Tell us how that holiday went. Uh, how did that holiday go? That holiday uh, started out okay. It was around Christmas and New Year's time, so we were having a lot of fun. Um, but there were just, as I said, this holiday was probably two or three months after the family cruise. So on the cruise, I thought I just need to get back from the cruise and we'll be fine. And then I got back and I was still flat and distant and I was like, I'll just have to get through uni and we'll be fine. And then I got through uni and we had that sort of three or four week gap before we went away for Christmas and New Year's. And I thought, okay, well, we just need this holiday (laughs) together and we'll be fine. And so we get on the holiday together and there were just so many things that, like I said before, my interests and hobbies were different. So there were lots of things that I wanted to do that John wasn't interested in and he likewise he wanted to do things that I wasn't interested in it wasn't it wasn't all one-sided at all but he'd want to just go and kick the footy and I'd just want to sit and read or he'd want to go and I don't know just sit around and hang with the boys and I'd want to go shop or look in the shops so there were just a lot of different things and we I just found myself getting repeatedly more frustrated with him and the relationship and not wanting to do the things that I wanted to do but also just me not being able to do the things that he wants to do either and I remember obviously Nick was on the holiday and so every time I wanted to do something that John didn't want to do Nick would just be like oh I'll I'll come with you like let's go and that was the start of just kind of realizing what it's like to have someone be happy to do the things that you want to do or be happy to hang out with you just to even though it's not particularly their interest or to go out of their way to spend time with you the obvious question in my head is what is the dynamic like between Nick and John on this holiday initially really good they played basketball together they were both friends because of me so I was the the third wheel a lot of the time but as I think John saw Nick hanging out with me a little bit more he started to get maybe jealous or upset or annoyed and I can understand why looking back I can see why as a boyfriend seeing your girlfriend go off and doing things with this other guy constantly would be upsetting and it was really hard because we had two other families that we see up there every year and they obviously know John really well and they didn't know Nick particularly well and so I think it was probably also hard for them there were a lot of people involved in what was going on and it it started to get really messy. Were there any raised eyebrows? What were some of the messy moments? I remember we went to this watering hole and we were swimming and again I wanted to go jump off the cliff and John had no interest so Nick took me over and it's like a big hundred meter swim and Nick's a lifeguard so he like swam swam over with me to jump off this cliff and I remember when everything came to light I, I remember John saying that he'd had this conversation with the other guys that were there watching me do that and the guy was like um, like how do you feel about your girlfriend swimming off with Nick like it was obvious to I think everyone else around and there were a lot of raised eyebrows but at that point it genuinely was just that I was I'd been feeling like I'd had one foot out of the door of that relationship for probably a long time a lot longer than I wanted to admit to myself um I 
I'm someone who gives people a lot more chances, not than what they deserve, but than what I deserve. And so I stayed in that relationship for a long time out of loyalty and love, um, but not necessarily out of happiness. Yeah. Tell us about the moment in the ice cream shop. The ice cream shop. So that was another example of how on that holiday, Nick would just go out of his way to do things just because he wanted to see me happy or smile or be enjoying myself on a holiday. So he, as he does, makes friends with everyone. And he made friends with the owner of this ice cream shop and asked him if he could make my favorite flavor. Cause I was saying every day that my favorite flavor wasn't there. And so he asked him if he could make my flavor and the next day the flavor was there. And it wasn't just the ice cream. It was the, the sum of everything on that holiday. But I just started to realise what it was like to have someone who just genuinely wanted to see you happy. And what I'd put up with or what I'd let myself put up with for a long time, I just started to realise I didn't deserve that. And I just started to see what it what it would be like being with someone who did make you feel happy and did just go out of their way to do things for you. Did you hear that? I started to see what it was like being with someone who made you feel happy. That, Ashley says, was the aha moment in her relationship with John. Nick saw how upset I was and I think at this point John and I had started bickering and and not fighting but he was obviously not particularly happy about the situation of me spending all this time with Nick and I was just not happy about him at, at that point, it was like, well, if you wanted to do the things that I wanted to do, it would be you. And as that conversation happened, more and more word vomit came up of all the things that I wasn't particularly happy with. And so we just got more and more frustrated at each other and ended up at each other's throats. And Nick saw how unhappy I was. I remember we were we were riding bikes. Uh, John came along and it was around in that time that the fight sort of happened and he just rode off. It was on that bike ride and after that fight that Nick said, you know that you deserve better and confess that he'd been in love with me for the most part of that two years. What did you say to him? I honestly can't remember what I said to him. I think I just stared at him and I was in shock and I I was a little bit, I remember being like, really, this is the time you used to tell me? It wasn't great timing. It was messy and just, it just was really not good timing, but I remember being somewhat really happy about that. Well, of course you were happy. <laughs> did you tell him that you loved him back in that moment? No, because I still loved John at that point, even though the relationship had started to falter. Um, so I didn't, I didn't tell Nick that I'd loved him. I told him that I cared for him. And at that point, that's really all it was. And what happened when you got home? So while we were away on holidays... John and I officially broke up. I remember going... On the holiday? On the holiday. This holiday. (laughs) (laughs) The holiday from hell. No, so he... It's, like I said before... So John and I broke up on the holiday. We decided to call it quits. I remember sitting down with mum before that decision. I was the one that called it. I took mum for a walk and said to mum, I think I'm going to break up with John and she was like well yep that's probably fair enough and I said I think there might be something there with Nick and she was like that's probably also fair enough (laughs) so mum and dad they didn't know much about the ins and outs of the relationship but they 
just knew when I was happy and when I wasn't. And they could always see that having Nick around, I was probably more of my normal self and a bit more bubbly and happy. And, and when, particularly towards the end, when I was with John, they saw me crying a lot. So that was pretty obvious for mum as someone who knows me best. She, she obviously left it in my hands. And I think the fact that it all happened on the holiday, she wasn't particularly approving of. She was like, you could have picked a better time, but that's how that all came to light. And I had pulled John aside and we had a big chat. And at that point it was, I think we both knew that it was over. I just had to say the words. When was your first kiss with Nick? So when we got home, Nick and I decided to, obviously I'd only just come out of this long relationship and because we went away on this holiday together and came back not together, there were a lot of questions from my friends, like, what the hell happened? And like, I felt very attached and felt like I owed him and his family something. So I didn't want to jump into something serious with Nick. The first kiss wasn't too far after John had left the holiday, just because there was obviously a lot of built up tension uh, over that time. So, um, but it was after that that we sort of took a step back and we're like, no, no, we need to deal with this appropriately. And so I, I was convinced I didn't want to go straight back into another relationship. I just wanted to have some time on my own. And that lasted about two months. <laughs> so after a much needed DNM between Ashley and her mum, John left the holiday to go home. Ashley and Nick shared a kiss soon after, but quickly decided to cool it so Ashley could have some time to breathe and figure out exactly what she wanted. When they returned home, life was very, very different. For that two months after the holiday, I was seeing Nick a lot, but we didn't make anything official. We just hung out and uh, I wanted to give John the space that he deserved without jumping into anything new because obviously the way it all happened, I didn't want questions asked of me either because I lost friends over that. There were a lot of eyebrows raised when I came back not together with John and Nick had gone away on the holiday. There were a lot of assumptions. A lot of people, particularly my close friends, thought that I'd cheated or that I'd literally dumped John for Nick. And that was not at all the case. The only role Nick played in that breakup was just showing me that I deserved better. And it really took him and all of his characteristics to make me realize that. So yeah, I came back and I lost a lot of friends. I couldn't really rely on my friends to support me through that breakup because they were just all assuming that I'd essentially jumped into bed with this other guy, which like I said, there was no crossover period at all. There was a gap, a definite gap, albeit a small one, but there was a gap. And I, in that time, spent a lot of time with Nick and we were trying to work out if it was actually a thing. We were, we didn't want to ruin the friendship either. That was obviously a big factor. Like, yes, it's one thing for him to say that he's loved me for that two years, but then to actually work out if we make sense as a couple was a whole nother thing. But it just did make sense. Every time we hung out together, it felt natural. It felt like a seamless transition. Nothing had really changed apart from the fact that I was starting to like him more. Probably all the feelings that I didn't allow myself to feel when I was with John very quickly came to the surface. Did any of those friendships get repaired? No, there were there were other issues in the friendships around the same time, but they were never the same. No. So she lost some people along the way. But five years down the track, Ashley has no regrets. Oh, and that ice cream that Nick bought her, by the way, we are a little bit disappointed to tell you the flavour he worked so hard to get her was custard. Yes, 
custard. He just always makes me laugh and smile and uh, when we were friends, it was exactly the same. Like, just his company is... You know when you're around him and you know when he's not there because he is such a big personality. Um, he's quite loud and in everyone's face, much to most people's disgust probably, and sometimes to my own. I'm like, will you just shut up? <laughs> but he just makes me so happy. Like, And that's... I don't... I know that sounds really corny and cliche, but he genuinely does like every day will make me laugh he's supportive he's caring he's he was raised by his mum mostly and so he's a typical mama's boy and he just has that nature to him he's really nurturing and warm we live together we have been living together for probably about two and a half almost three years and I'm still dating my best friend. I I get to say that every day that I I call him my best friend and he is my best friend. He's my rock for everything. He calls me out on shit that I need to be called out for. He's supporting of everything that I do. He'll call me beautiful every day. Does he let you win games? He lets me win games, yes. <laughs> He's also incredibly competitive at nature, but he also wants me to succeed and to to win it life and so also to win it games. So. <laughs> Love Etc. is a production from Shameless Media. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. We will see you guys next Friday.